Good evening, everyone. Uh, thank you so much, Nathaniel, for leading us tonight and how you have led us. It's been so helpful. And thank you to Gordon and all the others who have been involved. Uh, I'd like to start by reading some familiar words, uh, some well-known words of Jesus uh, as, as recorded by the Apostle John in his gospel. It's, these words are part of a, a much larger kind of section of, of words and teaching. But here is John 15, verses 4 and 5. You'll know these words. Remain in me, says Jesus, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Tonight, we're, uh, we're starting a new thematic series. Uh, this morning, we started a new series where we're going to kind of, over the next three months on Sunday mornings, be working our way through a book of the Bible, Acts of the Apostles. But on Sunday evenings, we're doing a thematic series where we're going to kind of be drawn in from all kinds of, of different places. And I must admit, I'm quite looking forward to teaching this new series. It's called Rhythm and Rules. And one of its key aims is to encourage us to remain in Jesus and to bear fruit, which according to Jesus later on in John 15, if we remain in him and bear much fruit... This will bring great glory to the Father. So this new series is about growing as a Christian. And it's kind of aimed at busy 21st century city people. Followers of Jesus Christ. Who sometimes or maybe most of the time feel that there is no time to invest in a deeper spirituality. No time to pursue a closer walk with God. Little or no space to be with God on any kind of regular, consistent basis. Always, I don't know if you find yourself in this place, lamenting the fact, I, I, I wish I could spend more time with God. I could be more focused on my relationship with my Father. And if any of that resonates, then, then I hope this series will help as we explore the time-tested spiritual practice of a rule of life, a rhythm of ancient, biblical, relevant, life-giving practices that help us to remain in Jesus and bear fruit. Now, I realize that the term rule of life might be new to some, or others tend to associate it with, with monks or religious orders. And probably the most famous name that is sort of connected with a rule of order is Saint Benedict, the 6th century monk, who yearned to live a holy life. And yet he became disgusted and deeply disturbed with the corruption that he saw all around him. And so he retreated for a while and then he established a community and a monastery in Monte Cassino. And to help to guide and direct the monks who wanted to follow his example toward a more 
Christ-like way of life. He wrote a rule to guide them. The world obviously has changed a lot in the past 15 years since St. Benedict. Yet today, more than ever, it needs, our world needs men and women who are hungry for God and who long to live a Christ-centered, holy, fruit-producing life that does bring great glory to the Father. And so a rule of life simply provides a structure, a pattern, a guide to encourage and to enable us to grow as Christians and to experience the transforming presence of Christ in everything. And so it's a conscious plan. It's what a rule of life. It's a conscious plan to keep God right at the heart of everything we do. According to the C.S. Lewis Institute, a rule of life is an intentional pattern of spiritual disciplines that provides structure and direction for growth in holiness. It establishes a rhythm of life that is conducive to being formed by the Spirit of God and therefore fruitful. So, if that sounds in any way intriguing or appealing, if, it's a, if this idea sparks something, if it connects, then I am inviting you to connect with a series that's going to run from now through to the start of May. Now, here's the thing with a rule of life. Most of us probably have an unconscious rule of life for developing our spiritual lives. And so we do, or we have a way of doing certain things. So we attend church on a Sunday, maybe. We participate in a small group. We serve in a ministry, whether it's here or somewhere else. We read, we pray on a regular, semi-regular basis. But what this series is really looking at and what it's investigating is a more intentional, conscious plan to facilitate and enable growth. Or as one writer puts it, Nurturing a growing spirituality with a depth in our present-day culture will require a thoughtful, conscious, intentional plan for our spiritual lives. Now, apart from the likes of St. Benedict, is there, and some of you are thinking this, is there a biblical basis for this? (laughs) Is there? Well, if we rewind a few thousand years we discover that Daniel seemed to have an intentional pattern, a rule of life. We all know the story. Daniel was carried off with most of the inhabitants of Jerusalem by the armies of Babylon. And he was then chosen and he was educated in a particular way of life, a pagan way of life. He even had his name changed in an effort to assimilate him into another culture into another way of viewing his world, or not his world, but the world. But somehow, Daniel was able to rise above all that. He was able to guard his heart in the midst of all that to maintain his integrity. He didn't have a lot of support. He certainly had some support, but he didn't have a lot of support. But what he did have was a pattern. He had a plan, a conscious, intentional plan. He didn't leave the development of his interior life to chance. And so he renounced certain activities. So he 
refused to eat the king's contaminated food, but he also engaged in other activities such as, you might say, the daily office. Where, and we read this in Daniel 6, he stopped, he paused three times a day in order to pray. And that enabled him, it seems, when he stopped those three times a day, and by having this as a kind of rule of life, a pattern of life, a rhythm of life, it enabled him to stand firm in the face of extreme opposition, plus the temptation to compromise. And so Daniel, you could say, had a rule of life. Fast forward about 600 years or so, he also discovered Jesus had a rule of life. We have looked at this and thought about this before, but time and time again in the Gospels, you you discover that Jesus had this practice, this rhythm of retreating to go by himself to be alone with his Father, silence and solitude. Jesus recognized the importance of prayer, the importance of rest, the importance of Sabbath, the importance of spending time with others. There was a rhythm to his life. And so although the term rule of life might be unfamiliar, the idea or the value of it isn't. Now, as I introduce this idea, let me say something about this word rule. And I only discovered this recently, and, and I think it's, it's, it's been a discovery for me that has really helped me to see its value and potential. The word actually comes from the Greek for trellis, And a trellis is a tool. Here's a a picture of some of these, and we know them. It's a tool that enables a grapevine to get off the ground and grow upward, becoming more fruitful and productive. You can, can immediately see where I'm going with this. Well, in the same way, a rule of life is a trellis that helps us to abide and remain in Christ and become more fruitful spiritually. For a grapevine to produce grapes, it needs a trellis to support and guide its growth, or it will slump to the ground. And even grapevines in the wild will use just about anything, whether it's a tree or a rock, as a trellis. Why? Because it's part of their nature to seek structure. And so like a trellis, a rule of life supports, it guides, it encourages us to grow. It supports our connection with Christ so that we then bear fruit, the fruit of his character, and are then able to offer his nourishing life to others. So the purpose of a rule of life in that sense, it's not going to be a harsh thing. It's not meant to be something that confines us. I realize that for many people, even the word rule has got negative connotations. But its purpose is to remain in Jesus, to abide in Jesus, to act as a structure to enable us to grow and to be fruitful and to be productive. And so it serves as a pattern of life that enables us to experience the presence of Jesus in each moment of our lives, empowering us to become people who embody his love for others. In other words, it's a framework for freedom. It's not this confining, restricting thing. 
Now, as we introduce this idea in this, this series, I need to say something very, very important because there may be some here who are a little nervous and are thinking, David, this all sounds like it's down to us. It's down to what we do. So let me be clear. The growth of our spiritual lives is primarily God's work. On our own, we have no chance. But one of the mysteries, in a sense, is this, that God calls us to play a role in our formation and transformation. We've looked at this before, but God does call us not to work for our salvation, but according to Paul in Philippians 2, we must work out our salvation. And that's precisely because, to continue Paul's quote, it is God who works in us to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. We cannot earn our life with God because if we could earn it, then that would be a complete contradiction to grace. But the Bible does teach us that we are to make every effort to add to our faith goodness and to our goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, love. Make every effort. We also know we are to make every effort to live at peace with everyone. So there's grace and there's responsibility. We have a part to play. We can't just kind of press cruise control and hope we will become more and more fruitful or we will remain in Jesus. And so these are, in a sense, means of grace, you could say. Plus, as Paul speaks into the lives of the Corinthian Christians, and again, we, we know this, he talks about the need, you need to go into strict training, says Paul. If you're going to run this race, if you're going to run well, if you're going to finish the course, you need to go into strict training. You've got to practice. And so at one level, what, what we're really talking about is training wisely, not trying harder. So, so this is not a new series to try to beat anybody up. And say, listen, you've got to try harder. Come on, church. Let's become more like Jesus. Try harder. Get your act together. It's not that. This is about training wisely. Let me show you this quote from a marathon runner just to illustrate the point. Trying is saying over and over again that tomorrow will be different, but staying mostly in the same old patterns. Training is setting up a deliberate pattern of behaviors or habits so that we can change. The key is to train smarter. If I just keep saying I will try harder the next time I race, there will be little impact. But if I train smarter, I will get faster. And so this series is, is not about encouraging anybody to try harder, to become like Jesus, and to bear more fruit, and to remain in Christ. But it is about enabling, I hope, this is my desire, it is about enabling us to train smarter, to be deliberate, intentional, conscious in our practices. Okay, so let's begin to discuss and unpack this idea of a rule of life in a little more detail. And let's go back to this trellis imagery to help us visualize it. And as we get further in this, and I do need to say, what I'm going to share, or all of what I'll share, it's not a definitive guide. This doesn't highlight we're not going to cover every single practice 
spiritual discipline or holy habit that could be included or every area of life that we should consider. But this is what I'm about to show you, a pretty good representation and framework for consideration over the next eight weeks. And I have drawn on a number of different sources. And if you do want to speak to me afterwards about some of the the books I would maybe recommend if you want to dig into this a bit deeper, then, then do speak to me. But I've got another diagram tonight. I'm really into diagrams at the minute. That's why I've got the flip chart here. So if you were here this morning, we had the up, in, and out diagram. But tonight, did this myself, okay? Although I copied it from somewhere else, right? Deep intake of breath. So here, this is a trellis, (laughs) just in case you were going, what is that? So this is a trellis-like image, okay? Kind of pictures a support structure for a fruit-producing vine. And as we think about a rule of life, we kind of start at the base. And we've got three root practices that we're going to look at. So what I'm about to do is kind of sketch out where we're going over these next eight weeks. So although there's, there's really a great crowd here tonight, so after you hear this and it drops away off to about 20 people next week, I'm going to be so depressed. <laughs> okay, but anyway, so we have three root practices. These are not the only practices that I could highlight, but they are three core practices. And as I say, we're going to look at each one in turn. So three core practices as we think about a rule of life are prayer lives, how we approach prayer, how we do prayer. I'm going to mention that in a moment tonight. And I'll explain why I'm not taking a whole evening to look at that as well. Then next Sunday night, we're going to look at this whole idea of Sabbath. What does that look like in a rule of life? What does that look like in our lives? Do we have a rhythm, a Sabbath rhythm? And then the whole area of sacred reading, which obviously includes scripture. But then as we build on these kind of root practices, there are certain day-to-day and pieces or aspects of life that are common to all Christians. Key areas that all of us know and experience. And so we're going to take a week to look at the whole issue of family and friends. People we live with are companions on the journey. Because you see, how you relate to your family and friends, how you interact with them, how you spend time with them, how you invest in those ties and interpersonal relationships is really important and it will have a significant impact on your discipleship and fruitfulness. That, that kind of just makes sense. And so in a few weeks, Gordon's going to be looking at family and friends and how we kind of see those as part of a rule of life. Then there are our bodies, play, because despite what people, Christians are often seen as fun deficient. Uh, But play's okay. So we're going to look at play, and we're going to look at money. What rhythms and practices do we put into place to look after our physical well-being, our self-care? Do we do that to the glory of God? And then there is recreation and play. 
There does need to be, or there is, a time to laugh and a time to dance. According to Ecclesiastes, that's not me. Just according to Ecclesiastes, says it. And then there is the whole issue of money. How do we handle and experience money so that it becomes a servant and not a master? And so for a couple of weeks in March, we're going to look at these three issues. And then there's two more areas we're going to look at. Work, finding God on a Monday, and witness, which kind of links in with, with our, what we were looking at this morning, our role, our calling, our commissioning to be Christ's witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. How do we share our faith in word and deed? This, if in blue at the bottom, if you can't see this, just says roots. This is how we relate. This is what restores us. This is our reaching out. Okay? I copied this from somewhere. I didn't come up with this. Just in case somebody thinks, that's really good, David. Did you think that yourself? No, I didn't. I, f- I found it and I've just found it to be a really helpful framework. But as we go along, and here's all those issues. As we go along, I'm going to invite you to form and write a rule of life that includes and relates to each of these practices and areas. Now, although I've said they are common to all of us, I know each person is unique. And therefore, each rule of life will be unique. It will depend on your personality. There, there's immediately some people here tonight, and you're just loving this and really connecting it. There's, there's also some people going, like, seriously? <laughs> I need to find something else to do on Sunday nights for a while now. Okay. And for some people, the whole idea, I mean, uh, part of the reason I'm doing this is I realize that some people connect with things visually quicker than they do uh, orally. But it will depend, our rule of life will depend on our personality, our gift mix, our temperament, our season of life. It's really important. Our season of life will determine this. And so we're not trying, I'm not suggesting here, let's come up with some uniform rule of life for all of us. Each of us needs to engage with this personally if it's going to have any kind of impact. There are a few guidelines that I want to mention but before we do that, let me read one person's rule of life because I kind of think that some people are sitting there going, I don't, don't really get this. So I'm going to read one person's rule of life. It's a very simple one. Here it is. <coughs> Begin each day with scripture and prayer. Take a 24-hour Sabbath each week. Pray the examine before going to sleep at night. Some of you will know what that is. It's this whole idea that as you lie in your bed at night staring at the ceiling that you kind of press the rewind button and you replay your day before God and you just recognize and you just see those moments whenever you've maybe done things you regret doing, things you're glad you did, people you've met and you just commit them to God in prayer or bring those issues before God in prayer. So this person, as part of their rule of life, is saying, I'm going to pray that and do that every night. Run two to three times a week, swim twice a week. Aim to be home by 5.15 p.m. each day and be at home at least four evenings a week. (laughs) Each has got to be unique. (laughs) Fast on Thursdays. 
go on a date with my wife once every two to three weeks. No comment. Meet with a spiritual director once a month. Have people from different backgrounds in our home once a month. Take a yearly spiritual retreat with my small group. Take an annual summer holiday with my family. Give to my local church and give to missions in the developing world to the point where we feel financially stretched. That's it. That's someone's rule of life. So for anybody sitting there thinking, what exactly? That's just an example. So this is not something overly complicated, I hope. Here are four guidelines. Start simply, build slowly, stay flexible, include community. Introduce a small practice that will help you become more aware of God in your day-to-day life. So I know know someone who sets their alarm on their phone for 12 o'clock noon every day. And at that moment, they just stop, they pause, and acknowledge God. And, and I don't know about you, but you know, sometimes you just go through days, or maybe it's just me, days without acknowledging God's actually there. So that's start simply, build slowly, develop it over time, test it, revise it. This is not something that's set in stone. Stay flexible. We don't exist for the rule. The rule exists for us. And include community. A rule of life is meant to be lived out in community. This is not about retreating to become a hermit or a recluse. As someone has said, if we want to experience ongoing transformation in Christ, it will most likely happen in the spiritual ecosystem of a loving, supportive community. So let's do this together. Talk about this together. So that's where we're heading over the next couple of months. And just in the last two minutes or so, I want us to think about this, this root practice here. And I'm not going to say very much about the spiritual discipline, the holy habit of prayer. The reason I'm not saying this It's not because I don't believe it's crucial. Obviously, I absolutely believe it's crucial. But we have just come out of an entire series on prayer called Conversation and Encounter. But let me just say a few things, because as Richard Foster, in his classic book, Celebration of Discipline, which is a must-read, I think, for every Christian, he says, of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is the most central because it ushers us into perpetual communion with the Father. And so there's no doubt that time for prayer, time for dialogue and being with our Father is vital. But a rhythm of prayer will be shaped by the kind of work that we do, by our life stage, by our temperament. For some people, morning is the ideal time. So for that person, he said, I'm going to start every day with scripture and prayer. That may work for you, that may not work for you. For others, it's evening, whereas for others, several brief times of prayer throughout a day works better. The key issue is doing it and being there rather than when. I came across this great quote from Gordon Smith that might be helpful or challenging. He came to realize that a better guiding rule than praying first thing in the morning is that we should give the best time of the day to God. And by best, I mean the time when we are most alert and capable of being present to God. 
And so as we think about a pattern of prayer, and a pattern particularly I know we're thinking of personal prayer, it's also good to consider prayer in community. And so part of a rule of life, I mean, Acts 2, we know that the church met together for the prayers. They gathered at certain times of the day to pray together. And so for some people, a rule of life will include, I'm going to start going along and meeting with others to pray. So this is not just about me and my personal relationship. This is me joining with others to pray. And so let me just mention three other things to bear in mind regarding prayer and regarding a rule of life as you rate this. Place, position, pattern. Where we pray can be important. A conducive space can make all the difference. And Jesus did, after all, talk about going into your kind of like closet, so to speak, closing the door behind you and talking to your Father. So place is important. And position for praying can help. For some, it's they kneel. For some, they sit. For others, they stand. Some fold arms. Others, raise arms. Fold hands, raise arms. And the patterns should be considered. The, the Lord's Prayer. It's a great daily practice to pray it. Use the Acts framework. Consider praying. We've done a series on this. Consider praying a psalm every day. Or embracing this whole idea for the daily office where you pause to pray at set times of the day, morning, noon, evening. But what I want to do is finish. I want to encourage you tonight or at some point this week, if this kind of resonates, to begin writing a rule of life and start with this foundational root practice. And here's a question to use as a prompt. What times work best for you to pray? When can you be most alert to God? When can you be present, fully present to your Father? 